Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, hi, Daniel. Thanks for coming back on the call with me again today. Okay, thanks. Uh, How are you, Aaron? I'm doing great. Um, You know, I had a lot to think about after we talked yesterday. And uh, I, I... I think the idea of that you had of going through economics and Austrian economics specifically as a way to to help out other people uh, in the Bitcoin community was a really interesting one. Um, and so if you're up for that, I'd like to try to keep this around an hour. And then going forward, if anyone has questions or if, or if you feel like it's advantageous to keep this up, we could kind of delve further as we go okay sure well um yeah uh well you know to me the bitcoin uh world is kind of like a business where people don't know what the bottom line is so uh and the 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 correct theory of money is the bottom line and um, I'm also making the claim that the Austrians have the co- the correct theory, but potentially that's that's not true. And uh, what I would like is to have sort of like a um, like a scientific community in Bitcoin or something something like that, where people would be motivated by the truth, in particular the truth about the success of Bitcoin. And uh, to me, we do not really have that right now. Um, so, um, uh, oh, so yeah, so what I would like is to have a, a conversation uh, about the nature of success in Bitcoin. And so um, what I'm, what I'm talking about now is kind of like opening such a conversation with a an idea about the nature of success okay okay um yeah i guess what i had more in mind was uh more of like a a, an introduction to economics and austrian economics but i think what you're proposing is is more interesting uh i mean it's the same thing like to me understanding economics is understanding success so, and that's kind of what I think people don't, I think people don't know enough about it right now. Yeah. So you're, you're saying that understanding economics is understanding success. I guess I had always thought about economics as like a way to economize on your scarce resources. Well, yeah, you're, so you're... what we need, we need to do is to offer services that are better than the competition. So we need to figure, so yeah, so we need to economize so that we can offer something that's, uh, you know, that other people want. And, um, you know, the way that we would determine whether Bitcoin is a better money is by the economics or the, the way that we would know about whether we're doing better than the competition is is through economics. 
Well, t- walk me through that there. How how would you just with economics know that you're doing better just by your the profit that you're making? Well, you you wouldn't know only by economics. Economics is um, the theory. You also have to apply the theory to the real world, and uh, you know that's that's a difficult question, also, but independent of the real world we also need an understanding of what in general is is better or worse right and having a deeper understanding of economics and perhaps specifically austrian economics can help us unlock that key to is can we can we find out what's better and worse just by thinking about it or do we have to put it into practice well, I think we can say in we can say in general what what is better and worse. But in a real situation it it requires uh, judgment because you know, we don't know a priori what factors are are going to be more important than than others. And um we don't know um I mean, we can't we can't say everything about a real situation in a theory. But what we can talk about in the theory of economics is the nature of the trade-offs that um, uh, that are involved in different choices. So what we can say is, if somebody was um, thinking about what kinds of uh, or what what money does he want to use we would t- use economics to say what what would be the nature of his decision like what is a uh what is the the cost and benefit of it so once we know that then we can say this is what we need to make uh, we need to make this is what we need to make better, and th- this is a cost that we need to uh, reduce. And right now, we have a big problem with. I mean, if we don't think about that, then we just don't really know what a cost and benefit is. So, I mean, we've had a big problem in in Bitcoin with people doing things that really are the opposite of success and just not understanding their choices well enough to uh, be able to um, have a reasonable discussion about it. And, uh, you know, I still have economic arguments in BSV. So, you know, people in BSV are like a, uh, a rarefied, uh, um, subgroup of um, people who um, didn't fall for the BTC scam, but there's still a a lot of different, there's there's still a lot of um, ideas on economics in BSV that I think are unexamined. And if people were to examine them, they, they realize they would realize that they are still thinking in a way that is 
anti-success rather than, than pro-success. So economics lets us look at the trade-offs of our choices in an abstract way. And that's, it tells us what success is like. I mean, I think that there's a big connection between economics and uh, virtue ethics, although they are not the same thing. But um, like if we're talking about ethical philosophy, like we could say uh, um, that uh, courage is a virtue or uh, integrity is a virtue, but when it comes to real life choices, uh, these ideas on ethics are uh, like um, uh, they're, uh, they can point us toward the correct decision, but they, they do not determine the, the best decision. They're, they're a, an indispensable part of making good decisions, but they're not a complete uh, a complete method of making decisions. Yeah, yeah. Now you that's that's interesting. You mentioned the word courage there, <clears throat> and it reminds me of uh, our conversation last time, where you seemed a little bit frustrated where with people who uh, seem to understand a lot about Austrian economics, or at least some kernel of it but yet can't move forward with those ideas in the Bitcoin uh, community. And it makes me think of a quote by Thomas Saz where he says, clear thinking requires courage rather than intelligence. Do you think that that is part of the, the problem that we have is there isn't enough courage in the Bitcoin economy? Um, well, I, I guess I would say that... Um we do have a lot of, of courage in the Bitcoin economy. So I guess where I see a problem with courage is outside the Bitcoin economy. So uh, what I was talking about last time is people who are uh, famous proponents of Austrian economics who would rather be professors than entrepreneurs. And so, and I said that they wanted to avoid risk by being professors, even though the decision to stop being professors and instead being be Bitcoin entrepreneurs would be a decision that you would think would be uh, you know, something with a high probability of success. I mean, given that if you think you know the real economics, then when you have a whole uh, entrepreneurial uh, system that's entirely based on economics, that works by economics, and other people don't know economics very well, you know, you would think that taking a risk on Bitcoin would be something that would be really good or the, it would be expected to be good if you actually knew about economics. 
So I would say that there is a lack of courage on the part of economics professors. Uh, well, in general, since none of the professors wanted to um, quit their jobs to join uh, Bitcoin, as far as I know. Um, and in particular from the Austrians, because those are the people who I think uh, actually do know what they're talking about and would therefore be a really big help if they were to uh, join Bitcoin. So I think that if, if you want to be uh, an Austrian economics uh, professor, um, that that is a that is a a lack of courage. Yeah, yeah. So, but but I would also say that the Austrian economics professors, um, the ones that I was talking about, the the ones who are famous, and not all of them are professors, but the Austrian economists who are well known that I talked about, also show a a lack of knowledge of the Austrian theory of money. So like, for example, um, uh, Peter Schiff doesn't seem to understand the Austrian theory of money. I mean, in, in general, I would say that people who call themselves Austrians um, think of money as gold. And all their, their theoretical framework should enable them to um think much much more broadly about money in an abstract way but i i would say that there is a big uh there uh in in general they cannot get their minds off gold yeah what would it mean for someone to to find success in the Bitcoin economy? I mean, what is, does that mean build a company that accepts Bitcoin? Does it mean build a company that runs off the blockchain in some way? What are well, your thoughts about that? Well, I think success in Bitcoin is um, that Bitcoin is used as money. So um, what an individual person's success would be is to grow the Bitcoin economy and make money off of that. So that's something that, that benefits everybody who's already in Bitcoin and it promotes the success of Bitcoin as a whole. Yeah, but how, how does one go about that i mean it, I, I assume it requires a certain amount of creativity let's say that we we get through a series of talks and and people understand more about austrian economics to the point where they feel they have a good grasp of it uh, yeah so um every every entrepreneurial act is creative so it involves um knowledge that is uh unique to you and um um, well, that's this is kind of where where courage is required because you have to self-assess your own knowledge as being uh, adequate if, if you're going to be an entrepreneur. 
um, and uh, you have to take a take a risk on it. But uh, to me, um, um, you know, right now in Bitcoin, there's just not very many people, um, and uh, I think there's a lot of room for the economy to grow. And so I think people um, can be more, uh, more, more confident about their knowledge because um, really you just need to be better than other people. Um, so it's a lot easier to be better than other people when there aren't very many people here. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, well, uh, let's talk about uh, price versus value. So, um, as Warren Buffett has said, price is what you pay, value is what you get. So, um, it's important not to uh, confuse the two things because that's really like the um, the whole crux of the matter. Um, you want to um, buy something that is um, is undervalued. Um, so the price is not the value. It's a, a conjecture about value, and it is the uh, um, it is. Uh, it is a, a conjecture that um, other people have sort of agreed on as what what they what they think the value is. Um, it's uh, the it's you know the latest the latest trade that occurred, and um, um, so far there haven't been any. Um, any two people who um, can find a you know a different a different trade that they can make. So that's kind of um, um, that's that's kind of what what the price is. And um, what you would want is to gain uh, do you would want to uh, for for a given price that you would buy something. You would want to gain out of having it um, uh, uh, something better than you would have got if you had bought something else. So, what what we would want is for the benefit of buying Bitcoin at the current price, and of course, I'm talking about BSV. Um, and the current price is like 340 or something. Um, we would want the benefit of that to be greater than what you would get from from buying stocks or land or or something or any of the other uh, anything else that um, that you could buy. And so. Um, so value is what ultimately happens. Like price is what happens right now. Price is 
present and value is in the future. So what we would want is to create a future that uh, is uh, or better, better for Bitcoiners. Um, and um, it's really the, uh, and so um, we would want the, the value of Bitcoin to be better than the value of, you know, the, the stock market or something. Um, and in order to understand what that actually would mean, we need economics because that's what economics is about. It's about the trade-offs of, um, of different choices. So if we're saying, um, is, uh, is one, one more Bitcoin better than, um, uh, you know, buying buying an index fund for the same uh, price. Um, that's kind of well. Um, so uh, that's that's what we would want uh, people to be thinking about in order to um, to promote success in Bitcoin. I think and. In order to make rational decisions about that, you have to actually know how a Bitcoin is benefiting you by having it. Um, and in order to know that, you need you need economics, and you also need to know about how uh, a stock is benefiting you if you're holding it, because um, we want to compare those two things. And that's uh, that's economics, and so to me, this is sort of like what everybody should have been talking about from the beginning. Um, but instead, it's really how nobody talks right now. So, like as I said, like right now, Bitcoin is like a business that doesn't know what the bottom line is. Uh, to me, what I'm what I'm talking about is the bottom line and um like i think people hype up bitcoin a lot and there's a lot of talking about how great it is but if people don't even know what the bottom line is that's really not very successful to me that's like something very very simple that really ought to improve the prospects of Bitcoin a lot if if people would just start thinking this way. Um, and well, I mean, a, a business that doesn't know what the bottom line is just won't succeed. You see what I mean? So I think that we're talking about really, really basic things that are, are necessary for success that people have been um, been ignoring for a really long time.
And and for you, what is the bottom line? Well, the bottom line is 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 Bitcoin better than than the alternative? So what what makes Bitcoin better than alternatives? Mm-hmm. So, um, so okay. Well, um, the the Austrian theory, my very compressed form of uh, the Austrian theory of money, is that the uh, the value of money is the other entrepreneurs. So, if you buy a company, you get you get income, or if you buy stock from a, from a company, uh, you get you get income from dividends, or at least potentially you will you will get that. Um, uh, whereas from holding cash, you do not uh, get get dividends. So there's a downside to holding cash, but the upside is that you also get to buy whatever the other entrepreneurs produce that doesn't exist yet or that isn't known about yet. Um, and so this is the trade-off that needs to be um, understood in order to um, uh, to make rational decisions about Bitcoin's value. Um, and I just don't think anybody has been, I mean, to me, it seems like nobody has been making rational decisions about value because I just haven't ever heard anybody else talk like this. And so when you invest invest in BSV or the Bitcoin Satoshi vision, you get access to these other future entrepreneurs, uh, entrepreneurs, yeah. but not when you invest in uh, a stock or hold cash or gold or something like that, or, or at least yeah. comparatively. Well, yeah, when you get a stock, then you get um, whatever that particular uh, company is going to earn, or you get a you know, uh, you get a fraction of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, um, so, well, uh, let's, let's talk about, um, marginal utility next. Okay. So I think the simplest way of explaining marginal utility is to say that, um, uh, value is not inherent in a good uh rather it is in relation to what already exists in other words um value has to do with uh small changes to what you have um rather than uh to the the specific uh good um, so, um, that's, that's why I said earlier that economics is about trade-offs. So whenever you're talking about what you have and what you could add to that, there's, uh, there's a trade-off. And so if we say, uh, say one, one Bitcoin versus, uh, 
and this buying the same dollar value of an index fund, that's marginal utility. Because we're talking about a, a small change in relation to what you already have. And um, the, the idea of marginal utility was um, prompted by the diamonds versus water paradox in economics. And the paradox says, um, uh, why are diamonds extremely valuable uh, versus why is water not very valuable, even though water is necessary to sustain life, whereas uh, diamonds are not. And the, um, the answer is that there's a lot more water than diamonds around. So we don't use water only to sustain life. We have a lot more water than we need for sustaining life. So sustaining life would be like the first thing that we would use water for. But if we can, we can do that and we have water left over, then we would start using water for the second thing that we need it for. Um, like, I don't know what that, what the second one would necessarily be, but you could say like cleaning or, um, uh, you know, building a water park or building a fountain or something, something frivolous, right? Like if we have a lot of water, we can get to frivolous uses of it. And um, it's the last use that um, uh, that has to do with the the value, because that's what you lose if you lose a small amount of water. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So potentially we could imagine a world where there's uh, diamonds everywhere. Uh, they're just strewn about the ground. And then you would think people might use diamonds for building uh, bricks for their houses or, um, uh, you know, whatever, uh, or, you know, making, making toys for children or, you know, whatever, whatever you would do if you had way too many of them. Right. Is this insight about marginal things like marginal utility trade-offs? Um, is this unique to Austrian economics? Uh, no. Um, uh, I, I think all economists today agree on um, marginal utility, but marginal utility was discovered independently by uh, three different people, uh, Menger, uh, Volross, and um, Yevans, I think that's how you pronounce his name. And um, the, the neoclassical economics, which is what the Austrians call everybody else, um, they don't like uh, 
Menger's version of of marginal utility. They they like uh, they like their guys better, and the Austrians don't like Valras and Yevons as much. They like Menger, and the difference has to do with um, the use of calculus. So Austrians uh, don't really believe in uh, using calculus in economics. And um, um, Menger had a way of talking about marginal utility in words, just like how I'm talking to you now. Whereas um, the other two had a, a mathematical theory that was based on calculus to talk about marginal utility. So, you know, actually that that came up earlier because remember I said marginal utility is about small changes to what you already have. Uh, I didn't say it was about infinitesimal changes to what you already have. So Austrians would say that it, that doesn't really make much sense, but that's kind of what you're saying if you use calculus. So uh, Austrians don't really believe in uh, infinitesimal changes to uh, your portfolio. Okay. So, <clears throat> well, that's one of the things that I, I appreciate about the Austrians. Uh, I, I haven't delved into them nearly as deeply as you have, but you can understand, you can pick up one of their books, uh, specifically Mises or Hayek, and you can pretty much understand or at least read coherently uh, what they're saying uh, without any fancy, uh, a lot of fancy math. Um, do the, uh, does the Austrian school view economics as a science or is it something else? Well, uh, that depends on your definition of science. So, um, um, literally, uh, science uh, just means um, that it, it has to do with knowledge. Um, so Austrians would say that their economics is knowledge, but um, science also has a more specific meaning um, uh, having to do with the application of the scientific method, which means that we um we uh well carl carl popper said it best we sign the scientific method is about conjectures and and refutations so we have an idea about how the world works and we design um a way of uh observing a real world situation to um to test that idea relative to um some other hypothesis um but the the austrians would say that um uh the 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 theory of economics comes from the idea that people um people make choices to maximize their own benefit and ultimately um 
you can't look into somebody's brain to see what is maximizing his benefit. Um, well, I mean, you can't look into a person to see it because the answer really isn't, um, uh, well, if, if you could look into somebody's brain, you might see that he has uh, an idea about what is the best choice. But ultimately, um, we can't, we don't really know what his best choice really is because these choices all concern things that happen in the future. And um, so we, we can't, um, uh, we can't, we can't see what, what would have happened and how, how happy he would be if, if he had done something different. Um, and, you know, if we tried to do that, we'd be talking about subjective psychological states that are uh, difficult to define objectively. And, um, uh, and if we tried to um, control the situation, like in a controlled experiment, we'd really be talking about two different people um, who may have different benefits. So people can, uh, you know, enjoy things differently. So something that maximizes one person's benefit is not the same as uh, what maximizes benefit for somebody else. So what the, the way we think about economics in the Austrian school is we say that people's choices are about uh, maximizing their benefit. And we don't try to second guess people and try to say what, what is really maximizing benefit uh, because that's not, that's not something that we can actually answer. Um, we think about uh, games that um, that concern the allocation of resources among these players who are trying to uh, maximize benefit. And we make the theory um, broad enough to include any kind of person in it. So um, we don't uh, impose some, some idea about, um, about a person's ultimate uh, benefit on him. Um, we, we think about these games in, in terms of, you know, whatever, whatever the player wants. So um, now, uh, well, do you have any questions on that? Yeah. You, you know, you, you mentioned a few times maximize their own benefit. Would it be, for me, it's helpful to think about, um, not the word maximize kind of throws me off. Could it be thought of as just people make choices that 
to where they want to achieve their own goals, whatever those goals may be. Yeah, well, I think if Mises was here, he might uh, agree with what you said a little more than what I said. But I mean, when I talk about maximize, I don't think that there's some kind of number that we could use to measure benefit, but we can uh, order uh, outcomes by how much or by whether a person like like them more or less. So I think we can say that all choices are, um, you know, if you have to choose one one or the other, um, whatever somebody chose, that's what they liked better than uh, than something else that they that they could have got. Um, but yeah, I mean, your way of saying it is really kind of the more obvious way. Um, but I think that there is a uh, um, there's a, a a connection between w what we're talking about and uh, Thomas Shosh. Did I pronounce that right? Um, I've heard that his last name is supposed to be pronounced as you would say Saskatchewan, so it's Sas. Sas. Okay. Well, um, so, um, like Thomas Sas would be like, uh, like compare him to like a standard, uh, a normal psychiatrist. And that's kind of like the difference between an Austrian economist and a neoclassical economist. Because um, Austrians believe in subjectivism. So what I've been talking about just now is subjectivism. And uh, they think uh, economics is about people maximizing their own benefit according to, you know, who who they are. And that's kind of like how, how Sass would say that um, people should, um, uh, there's, you know, there's a, a disagreement between the patient and the psychiatrist on whether the patient is mentally ill and um there uh there there shouldn't there shouldn't be a disagreement on on that point um uh, you're 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 imposing your your ideas of what's what's good and bad on the patient if you're you're telling him that he's sick and uh, he doesn't agree with you. So neoclassical economics is largely about um, uh, enabling the government to continue exploiting people and uh, creating propaganda to get people to go along with it. At least, I mean, that's what I think it's mostly about. Um, and the, um, the, the veneer of science that is, is put on it is, is part of the, the propaganda that's used to get people to go along with it. But as we talked about last time, economists don't really think like scientists, because if they did, they would want to study Bitcoin a lot. And they wouldn't want to just dismiss it and 
say that it's stupid or something. They would they would want to understand the phenomenon, uh, but it appears that that they don't want to. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting that you bring in uh, Saz's or compare and con- contrast his views with uh, Mises and then neoclassical ec- economists because he was very fond of uh, Mises, and he said if you if you want to understand uh, human nature, read Mises rather than Freud. Um, so that, that's that's interesting because he saw psychiatry as as a big con and and they use a lot of terms that class classical economists use like rational what is what is the rational person doing and and psychiatrists will use that towards their patient uh uh specifically calling the patient irrational when they disapprove of certain actions so that that is i find that similarity interesting you know you when we started the talk today, you talked a bit about, and I, and I, I wonder if we should keep going down this route or I had a, I wanted to circle back to something you said about price versus value, but I'm, what do you think? Should we go down back to that or keep going down this path? Um, sure. Let's make sure you understand everything. Um, let's go. I mean, yeah, if you didn't, if you want to look into something more, let's, let's go into it. So, Price. I mean, if we if we can relate this back to Bitcoin, so you, you can have people uh, talking about the price of Bitcoin, and BTC has gone up something like two hundred percent on average over the past ten or twelve years. And but you would probably say, but there isn't much value there. So is that the same idea of price versus value in relation to Bitcoin? Uh, right. Yeah. So, um, um, so, um, value has to do with the, the real, the real benefit of something. So, you know, part of that is that this, this good could go up in price a lot and then you sell it and then you have a lot more money. So, um, we could say that there go if we go back in time we could say that there was value in btc because of that but people can only realize this value by selling at the right time because i i don't think that there is any uh you know as much as they, as they say that you need to to hodl like i don't think that you actually gain anything from hodling BTC. Um, you gain by selling out at the right time. Um, and so that's uh, a much more uh, risky um, proposition than just holding something that's just actually good on its own. Like compare BTC to a piece of land like maybe that land will not go up in price, but you can also farm it and you can live on it. Um, and uh, maybe it has a very nice view or something. Like these are all things that are, are just good just from um, 
from having it. And um, so money is, is kind of like that, um, except that you, you do have to get rid of it in order to uh, gain a real benefit from it. But money is not like, um, not like BTC, which is something you have to sell it for, uh, for money so that you can then go and buy something else. I mean, the benefit that, that you can get from money is that um, someone would actually make offers for, for that money. Um, and in, in particular, there may be uh, opportunities that are not known to you currently um, that are being made for the money. And that's kind of that's kind of the the benefit of of holding the money is that there's other stuff happening in the world that that you don't know about, but um, it it's stuff that can benefit you because um, if if everybody's using this this money for trade, which is what money is, money is the universal medium of exchange, you know that. That means that it's it's good for you when when new stuff is coming out. Um, so um, well, let me talk about um, a little more about this this idea of of subjectivity, um, because one way that people I have spoken to have understood this idea is a, a way of saying that there's no knowledge in, in economics. So like if I say like, uh, you know, BTC doesn't, doesn't make any sense, you know, there's no reason to, to want it. Um, you know, people can say, well, there's Austrian economics has a subjective value theory. So you can't say, you know, why, why, why somebody shouldn't want BTC. So, I mean, technically, that is uh, that's correct because somebody could just enjoy having BTC just just because he really likes it. You know what I mean? <laughs> for for no for no other reason. Right. And, right. You know, as an economist, I couldn't say that there's anything wrong with that. Well, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, but um, there's kind of there's some some deception there because I don't think that um, that's what people in BTC think that they're they're getting out of it. And this is kind of you know the difference between economics and and the real world because now we're talking about what what do people uh, really think or what do they do they really want? And now now we're talking about things that require judgment and are a little, you know, are outside of economic theory. But when in, in economic theory, um, there's a difference between a consumer good and a higher order good. Um, and the, the difference is that a higher order good is like a, a step along 
a process of getting something you want, where you only get what you want at the end of the process. So a, like a capital good is a higher order good. It's like a machine that you use to produce things that you want. But if if you didn't want those other things, you wouldn't want the machine. Um, so, um, so money is also a higher order good because generally, or well, by 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 the definition of money you you wouldn't just want it just for itself you would want it because other people are using it for trade so you can you can buy things from them with it um and uh any anything that is you know generally used as a higher order good could also be a consumer good, right? So you could um, have some some machine and put it in a museum and say, you know, this is, um, or put it on display in in your house or something like a piece of art. That would actually that would be that would make it a, a consumer good, um, just because you think it's interesting. Like you could get an old sewing machine or something like that and say. You know, this is what people used to use in the past. Then it's then it's a consumer good. So nothing in real life is uh, one one or the other, because you could use. You know, everything has has multiple uses in reality. Um, but in theory, what we can do is say that this kind of good is a consumer good and another kind of good is a higher order good. And when we can do that, then we can talk about the value of the higher order good in terms of the consumer goods that we ultimately will get out of it. And um, if, if we don't do that, then we really can't say much of anything as economists because we're, then we're just kind of like oh well people just like stuff for for whatever 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 reason they want um but what what we actually do as economists is we say that the consumer goods are the ultimate value they're they're what what actually gives people what they want and then the higher order goods are um, uh, steps along the process. So that's how we can talk about value as, as economists, as we can say, like, what, what consumer goods are you ultimately getting from, uh, from holding, holding money or from buying a stock or, or something like that? Does that all make sense? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, so it, <clears throat> in some of your examples, would, would BTC in your mind be like, a, a putting a piece of fine artwork up on the wall, you're just holding it or, or putting something in a museum? Um, well, I mean, yeah, if you're one of these people on Twitter who says that they're uh, a hodler of last resort, which means that they will continue to buy BTC no matter how low the price goes, then 
that's kind of like valuing the BTC for for itself and not for what it can actually get you. So then it's kind of like treating it like a like a consumer good instead of a, a higher order good. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that we talked about or that you mentioned I had a question about as far as wondering if it was circular reasoning when the Austrians say choices that people make they make those choices to maximize their own benefits or to achieve their goals and then how do you know they've achieved their goals is is because they made the choice is is there a circular circular reasoning there uh no because all all these all of these choices are um conjectures about benefit so you make a choice and then something happens um and what happens may be something that you like or something that you don't like um but as as economists we don't talk about like whether people are making good choices so much as why why they are making these choices so we can say like what what is the um uh what is the the like at at the the equilibrium uh prices for different goods um how how are people benefiting um and, and we would say that there is some uh some some benefit from one thing that um uh that is uh, approximately equal to um some benefit from from something else when there's an equilibrium of of prices I mean, equal doesn't really make much sense, but there isn't there isn't any additional benefit that uh, can be achieved by making a, a small trade off um, in how how these goods are used um, uh, that that you know that would change the the price of it. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> well. Daniel, I, I mean, you've, you've given me a lot to think about. We're coming up on an hour. Uh, I'd love to continue some of these talks if you're up for it in the future. But I mean, basically today, I think we covered a lot of ground prices versus value. Uh, the fact that money is a higher order good. Um, you know, the, the example of, of BTC uh, being a consumer good and not a higher order good i think you gave some good examples on that that made sense um so i'd like to start to wrap it up and and maybe come back to some more ideas next time but do you have any uh, any other thoughts I, I first of all i sh i appreciate you taking the time and i'm also wondering if you have any other thoughts before we wrap up um, well, um, well, once again, it feels like, uh, we barely got started to me. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you're interested in continuing and, um, well, uh, I guess my final thought is for next time, we'll, we'll start talking more about, uh, profits and the entrepreneur and about, uh, 
Mises and the, the socialist calculation argument. That'd be great. Looking forward to it. And uh, thanks again, Daniel. Okay, thank you.